This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? I'm back for another episode of the Average Savage podcast. Our special guest today is Josh Johnson. Josh, how's it going? Uh, it's going good, big dog. Thanks for having me. How we doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Appreciate you coming on. I know uh, we've been working on it for a while. I was trying to get you back in the XFL days, and then, you know, all that got scrambled. So, But now you're back. I know you just signed with the 49ers recently. Uh, how does that feel? Uh, it feels good. I've uh, been on the team with this organization two uh, times yeah. at a other times in my career, uh, got picked up uh, a week, like halfway through the season, basically. Uh, I was on the practice squad. I was able to do some good uh, showing really where I'm at and which point in my career, enough to them to want to bring me back for another year. So I'm just looking, I'm excited about it and just uh, getting the, the process going. Yeah. So I know you've been on a lot of teams. What is, what is it like uh, when you go back to a team that you're already with? Um, it's, it's more comfortable, i tell you that. I mean, you know, you know, you know the familiar faces in the in the building that that still stuck around. Um, just comfortable with the organization, understanding expectations and things that you uh, you know what, what they expect every day that you come to work. And then, uh, but then it's still new because there's obviously a lot of turnover. That's probably that's why. And so I just you know I deal, you get to familiar with the new faces, and then I just get back to work. I mean, football is football, and just getting in the process of. Learning, learning what's expected for you, and then meet those expectations daily, and then exceed them. Yeah, for sure. And if I if I did my re- research correct, you grew up a 49ers fan, right? That is 100 percent correct. <laughs> 49ers fans die hard. Being from Oakland too, it was uh, it was kind of like black, you know, black sheep, because <laughs> everybody in my family were Raider fans. But I mean, it was it was pretty easy for me uh, when I was born. You know, the Raiders were in L.A., and then you went from you had Joe Montana. And you had Steve Young being a quarterback myself. I just looked up to what those guys did. So it was easy for me to be a Niner fan. And uh, really, there's always had a passion for the organization. Obviously, once you become a pro, it kind of, you know, it gets a little tricky because the simple fact that you're on these other teams. But now that I'm, but when you, when I'm actually wearing this red and gold, it's all, uh, it's, it's very fitting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Uh, now, just going back in time, like, what's your first like memory of playing football? Um, my first organized or just playing football period. Either, either or. <laughs> I remember in uh, in in first grade trying to trying to throw it across the yard, and we had a yard. I would say it's probably at my elementary Emerson, probably about fifty yards, maybe forty five. And when I first got there, I couldn't throw it. I couldn't throw the ball to like halfway and then as I kept getting older I started getting closer and closer to that gate and then I ended up throwing it over that gate before I left so that was like a big deal for me but just you know that journey being a quarterback like I've always been the thrower out the group and so like that's probably my first real memory with football right there yeah that's dope now now I was gonna ask like so you always wanted to be like a quarterback did you play any other position growing up no, we played everything. I played D-line, O-line. The, the beautiful thing about our Pop Warner system, how it was set up in Oakland, you had to start on the line. Okay. It makes you, me, it makes you appreciate the hard work that they do. Yeah, for and sure. also makes you tough because, you know, you get contact courage and you're in the trenches and you really understand pad level and all the, you know, the, the important things in football. So uh, I wanted to play quarterback from the get-go, but they made me play O-line. I had number 73, but I wouldn't change that for the world because it, you know, it helped build. It helped build me to the player that I ended up becoming. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then just going from uh, your, your your high school in Oakland, uh, what was your recruiting process like to college? I uh, wasn't highly recruited. Uh, got got hurt my junior year. Um, still small, really small. I was like 5'11", 140 pounds at the combine, to be exact. Ran like a 4'8", 5'9", 40. Probably looked like I was still in elementary. And then uh, <laughs> started growing a little bit. Uh, and from there, you know, made made some plays, but I was still a raw talent. Like, didn't really wasn't a polished passer per se from not from an arm talent standpoint, just from a fundamental standpoint. Growing up in Oakland, we didn't really have a lot of the resources besides one quarterback coach, uh, Roger Theater. Shout out to him. He passed away too. Um, but he, he taught me the basics, you know, to, to something to work with. And then uh, from there, just, you know, wasn't – had Coach Harbaugh, had a local coach, Alonzo Carter, really who I played against, uh, made a reference to Coach Harbaugh about, you know, that I had something. And Coach Harbaugh saw my tape, and he he actually told me he knew I would grow. He felt like I was a lot better than what, you know, I was showing. He just saw a lot of stuff that I didn't understand yet, and I was very grateful for him. So when he offered me the opportunity to come play at USD, even though it's not a scholarship, I saw that as a blessing and just really wanted to take advantage of that opportunity, which I ended up doing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, you earned, like, All-American there and things like that. What about, like, during college, was there a point – was there, like, a turning point or any point before that, like, you knew you could go pro? Um, he, he was honestly telling me – him and his dad was telling me my freshman year that I had a chance to, you know, be an undrafted free agent. And I, and I was like, what the hell are y'all talking about? Like, well, nobody gonna pick me up for NFL, <laughs> but like as I continue to get better, like he he started he started going up in the rounds, and he started and he started just saying and more and more. He he wanted like he installed a lot of confidence in me. Like I was I was kind of afraid of the limelight, afraid of the success. I just wanted to play football. I didn't I thought I was just like everybody else. So like he kind of installed that that confidence in me that that you know I end up internalizing it, but really didn't know how to show it. So, I mean, by the time I left, I knew I knew where it was real. I just really had to get on the right stage to show it. And at the Shrine game, was able to do that. And then from there, it was just a process, you know, of knocking, you know, checking off the list, which I didn't do at the combine. I had a horrible combine, but it was something, it was a great learning experience for me, though. Yeah, now just like going into the combine and after that, um, like, where did you think you were going to get drafted? And then, like, you getting drafted in the fifth round, do you think, like, that exceeded your expectation or, or didn't exceed your expectation? Um, I didn't I, – I think I – how do I, can I say this? I exceeded people's expectations, but not mine. I felt like I had a talent. I was a, I was a top two-round talent, but I didn't do the things necessary to get drafted in the top two rounds. Um, my uh, Talent-wise – could have been just I was as talented as anybody out there but I smarts wise yeah but fundamentally wise that's where I lacked you know the reasoning for somebody to do that especially coming from a small school but uh it was just me I think it was necessary for me to learn who I really was as a quarterback like at USD I got away with things because of my athleticism that I really didn't understand how to hone but me going in the fifth round really having to find the hard way has made me become a more fundamentally sound quarterback understanding the proper mechanics of doing playing the position, understanding when I can use my athleticism because, like, I mean, as we just saw yesterday, you don't got to be the best athlete doing Super Bowl <laughs> at quarterback position. So just me going in the fifth round really 
allowed me to focus and have that mindset of how can I become good at what I'm getting paid to do and then use my athleticism as a bonus. So although I didn't exceed my, didn't, you know, reach my expectations, I wouldn't change it because it helped me mentally, you know, get to this point in my journey. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. Um, and then just going into Tampa Bay year, like year one, uh, just what, what was like your first game like? And then uh, could you take me through like your first touchdown pass? Uh, the, my first game, just dressing or this or playing? No, actually, yeah, playing. My first game was my second year, actually. And it was kind of crazy because the whole offseason, I was the number four quarterback. and uh, But I knew the playbook. And then when they ended up making cuts, you know, I had a couple good games in preseason. They decided to go with me and Josh Freeman as the backups to Byron Leftwich. And, uh, you know, Josh was the first round pick. So I just kind of, you know, you got the scraps of everything. But I knew the system. So when it came that they wanted to make a change, they told me, oh, are you going in next week? And I went from, like, not getting no reps to finally getting in the huddle with the starters. And so, like, that within itself was, like, a new experience and really – it really, it really grew me up because I didn't understand the the business side of football and the politics that go into football, as people like to reference it as. I just didn't understand because I was coming from USD, a small school where, you know, everything was earned, nothing was given. But, like, and that's not the same up here. It's, it's a little different up here based on situations. And so, like, handling those situations was a new experience for me. But, I mean, went out there, threw my first touchdown to Antonio O'Brien on the play-action pass off a turnover, and it was – shit, it was exciting, bro. I almost – you would have thought I threw the game-winning touchdown how exciting I was. But uh, it was all just – it's experiences that I cherish to this day. But they were just lessons. Like, there were just lessons that I needed to go through, more importantly, because it was really teaching me how this world really works. And yeah. all facts just relate to football, so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's a throwback name, Brian Leftwich. Uh, and him just, yeah, him just, oh man. <laughs> yeah, is, it, is it weird that like your former your former teammates are now coaches? No, because I'm. <laughs> he helped me out a lot. Like yeah. he he took me under his wings and he gave me so much real game, just on how to handle myself as a professional quarterback, especially African American one. So yeah. him like I, I've always been appreciative of him like. Every time I see him, I was just letting him know he was always like a big brother to me. And I'm just happy for him, man. I'm not surprised that the success he's having. I know I know the players love him. Obviously, I could see him and Brady got a great relationship. So I just think the sky's the limit for him. And it's a natural transition for most of us players to go from playing to coaching because a lot of guys just want to be around the game. And the next step, once you can't play no more, is coaching. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I know you've been on a lot of NFL teams, but just like – you obviously have to have a strong mentality to just bounce around all the, all the time. Like what has that been like and how have, how have you stuck to it? I love the game. Like first and foremost, I love the game. So like when you love it, you, you're going to go hard for what you love. Like we all do. We all, once it's something we're passionate about something that we can wake up for on our own, we go hard for it. The, the mental toughness just coming, really just being honest with myself and real truthful to myself. Like, Taking the criticism is not against everyone that's against me, which is hard to do when you're younger, but really say, all right, where can I be better at? And really find a way to get better at that daily, no matter what's going on. And that's just been the journey I've been on and just really using every opportunity as an opportunity where I can grow as a player, like whether it was the UFL, the XFL, whether it's 
working out with high school kids, whether it's anything that I'm doing, using it as an opportunity to try to position myself to get to the next step in this career. Yeah, and what, what's it been like just playing in different leagues too? I know you were actually you were killing it in the XFL until it folded. Uh, experience has been valuable for me. I mean, because, I mean, there is no replacement for reps. And so if you're not getting them, you know, you got to go find them somewhere. And if you get cut, you know, a lot of guys just sit around on the couch or, you know, wait for the phone call and feel like they may feel like they're too good. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm a football player. So if somebody will give me an opportunity to go play football, yeah, I, may, I want to play it at the highest level at all times. But if the opportunity don't exist, the only way I can position myself to do that is by going to the opportunities that's out there. And so that's what I saw those as, as opportunities for me to not only position myself to get back to the main stage, but to also get better, like work on the things that just probably got me cut or work on the things that I know I need to grow because it's going to make me a better player and really find my niche with it. Yeah. And would you would you say that XFL is, is the reason why uh, the 49ers signed you? Uh, hell yeah. Like <laughs> I've got as a player, like the things I got to work on in the XFL was a accumulation of things I've been learning for the past four or five years, but not playing a lot of games. You don't really get a chance to really own these things. But in XFL is an opportunity for me to own these 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 mechanics, own these situations, and do it not only just in practice, but do it in games and do it in walkthroughs and do it in every little situation that you are able to get as a starting quarterback. So that just really, you know, I was able to put a lot together. And there's, you know, I'm still growing as a player, but like like when I had the opportunity to work out for the Niners in August, I told him, I'm like, my my goal is to get y'all to sign me. And and, and it ended up working out. So <laughs> that was really, yeah. really what it is. Yeah, that's awesome. What what advice would you give to uh, younger kids who's trying to either get a D1 scholarship or trying to make a pro league? Um, Be real with yourself, first and foremost. Like, and then once you're real with yourself, like you don't you don't kill yourself. You just be honest. And once you're honest with yourself, to me, it's not about where you start, it's about always how you finish. Like going D1 is the real goal, but if you're not if you if you're not gonna get the opportunity to get to the next level, you can get an education anywhere. So that if it's, if you want to be able to play at the next level, you the first thing to do that is to get on the field. So you want to be able to get on the field, and you want to be able to get somewhere where you can grow. And then obviously still get an education. And then from there, you you own that opportunity. You don't look at it as, oh, I'm at this school, I'm at that school. You look at it as I'm playing on this 120-yard grass field. And your job is to go out there and put it on tape every every moment that you can. The expectations will be harder, but expectations are going to be hard everywhere. <laughs> so the, the, the sooner you get used to it, the, the better it'll be for you when you try to get to this, this pro level, which – Every day is heightened expectations. You got to make it normal to be able to handle it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I know you you mentioned um, about black quarterbacks before. Like, how could you like yourself like help people? Just being able to speak to them. Like that was that was my biggest battle. Is most of the guys that were that's training the position, they kind of can't relate to the inner city, and really be able to you know make that correlation to what we experience and how we have to survive where we come from and make it out of that situation and then go go be basically the 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 face of a of a multi billion dollar organization like that's a huge leap and it's like 
it's not that we don't want to, but it's, you know, it's got to be a certain comfort level there to where we understand what we're getting ourselves into because we don't come from these kind of environments. And even when it just comes to the fundamentals of getting guys to understand that there's a different levels of throwing a 300 yard passing game. You know, you could throw it 300 yard. Anybody can throw it for 300 yards, but it's how you really doing it from the quarterback position. How you playing the game? How you seeing the game? Are you throwing the ball on time? Are you making the right reads? Are you just throwing the ball up in coverage and your receiver is just making plays for you and making you look good? So there's really levels to this. And just really for me, I just wouldn't give you false realities. I give you the real reality and be able to work with guys that accept that reality. So that because what you need to know in the beginning will always help you in the end if you're on the right path versus just trying to be just put up a bunch of numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Now let's go off the field. I know you're an entrepreneur. Uh, you have your own foundation. Um, tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Fam- family first, right? Uh, Found first family foundation is you know that's our baby, man. Uh, just it's really been a way to really. For us in 2008, 2007, when actually Marshawn started with the camp, then me and Marcus came in and other players, Ryan Murphy, DeAndre Campbell, all these guys that made it to the pros for the Larkins or had opportunities to make it to the pros that came up the same way we did. It was big for us in 2000, early, you know, 2007, 2008 to use our opportunities to not only for ourselves, but for our community. That wasn't common, you know, you know, there were people doing it, but it wasn't as common as it is today where everybody's, you know, now into giving back and really bringing the community together. So to be a part of that process and really get to the point now we have a youth center and partner with other like-minded people and organizations to be able to share first and foremost knowledge with our community and then resources and then opportunity. You know, it's, just, it's a good feeling, man. And it's just everything else just stems from that just being able to create opportunity that's not about just making money, but really just about making an impact in some form of fashion for not just yourself and your family, but for others. So it's everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now I know it's a weird time right now, but do you guys have any like events planned for 2021? Uh, we've just done a, um, we just did a computer give back, uh, 90K worth of computers, uh, HP laptops with a Oakland Wi-Fi program and uh, Peralta Colleges. And uh, that was big for us. Uh, uh, we have our, we're doing our online Zoom classes, which anybody can be a part of right now, no matter where they at, as long as they can meet the times because it's online. So we're just trying to maintain. Uh, I, I don't like it, but it's what we got to do because yeah. everything is scaled back. Like we can't do our, our camping trips, we can't do our field trips, we can't do our in-week camps of architect. Like everything's online and it's kind of like watered down a little bit, yeah. but it's to do so, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there's definitely pros and cons. I mean, but I think that's why it's cool too. Like you just said, like now you can get anyone to join the virtual event. Right. It's just, you know, getting yeah. people to want to buy into that process. Yeah. A lot of people feel mentally, you know, challenged by this situation, which we all are. And, you know, some people just may be overwhelmed with being on Zoom, which I rationalize it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) It's just a weird, just a weird time. It's just a weird time, man. You kind of got to let everybody run their own little race with it right now. 
I mean, the one thing I've been saying too, I mean, I think the one positive thing is just like the technologies in general is just like cool to see that like we had and we weren't using. For, no, for sure. Like, and I think that's, you know, it opens up people's minds and it opens yeah. up my mind to things or the resources that are out here, even for free that you could be using to make life a little smoother. And yeah. so like, I think if, if you sit back and use this time to grow, I think those people will benefit a lot, especially when the world opens back up and gives them back to some normalcy. So I just been trying to use that as an opportunity to really grow. Yeah, for sure. And then I know you have the Ultimate Gaming League too. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that and how it came about? Um, just started with you know three guys from Oakland having a similar passion for gaming. Like me and like me, I would throw in Madden tournaments to launch clothing lines in 2013, and like that's kind of what I do. Like I've been playing video games since Atari, but. I wasn't into the whole streaming and being online and having the right mics and the right lighting, all this stuff that I'm learning about now. And I was just, you know, wanted to play the game. And and I was in a Madden franchise and that was the first thing, you know, my guy, my friend who runs it, he's like, you got to stream your games. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, what you mean? I got to stream my games. He's like, you got to create a Twitch. And I'm like, I don't want to create a Twitch. I just want to play Madden, you know? Like I've been playing Madden my whole life. But I, that was like my first test of it. You know, you, you you know, you credit Twitch, you stream the game off the controller. That's not really what, like now with the UGL, we kind of doing it all. Like when we like when we partnered up, we would throw in-person tournaments, uh, Madden tournaments. We had an adult lounge, halftime sports bar. Then we used a youth lounge, uh, Soldier Town in Oakland. And we have little pop-ups, but that was like in-person stuff. But when COVID, you know, we had to evolve and we had to learn how to do this remote thing. And uh, where we at now with it is still throwing tournaments per se. We just had our qualifiers for our franchises, but now it's more of a league for our community. And we had these franchises headed up by NFL players, highlighting, you know, myself, uh, Sidney Jones, Chad Ochocinco has a team, uh, Max Crosby has a team, and we're going to let our community, you know, play in our league. And on behalf, we're going to create a lot of content. And then uh, with that league, you know, we're going to, you know, help a lot of people you know, benefit our prizes and things of that nature, but the ones that really take ownership of the opportunity are going to build a brand. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully we find the next best talent to pass them on to esports because we're not esports. We're more gaming, more lifestyle, mm-hmm. more culture-based with what we're doing, kind of welcoming anyone. But, you know, there will be some hidden gems that come out of this, and we want to be able to push them forward as professionals, you know. And then for us at UGL, you know, we're going to have that athlete franchise model component uh, my my partner Chuck Johnson is heavy in the music scene, so uh, we're doing we're doing music based content like we call them Digi Hangouts, and then we'll have our you know our, our artists come on and you know they'll compete with each other over games, but also we'll celebrate what they're doing in their career fields respectively, and then uh, we'll also have like what we call the UGL Academy, which is for the younger kids, and uh, being able to create you know resource driven gaming opportunities where we not only teaching them, you know, surround them around the right people that's going to teach them, but learn them, understand about production or whether to understand about PR, all the different business elements that go into this thing. So we got a nucleus of opportunities, not just for ourselves, but for others, which is similar to what, you know, it all stands for what the fam first model is, you know, not just, you know, empowering yourselves, but empowering those around you. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how like gaming is a career now? It's awesome. It's awesome to me. It's crazy because, like, you know, people will get cuss me out. Like, yeah. oh, you 
damn game all night, all weekend. Like off season, you want to play the video game. I'm like, why not? Oh, I'll travel <laughs> on the road and I don't want to go out to the steakhouse. I want to sit in my room and play my PlayStation. <laughs> like, no, that's cool, though. No, that's cool. Yeah, I know. That's why, yeah, that's why it's funny. <laughs> I'm just happy because so many of us do it. Yeah. Like, so many of us have been doing it, but it's only been from a consumer standpoint. So now to be able to flip the switch to say, if you take it serious, it's just like AAU sports now for a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you do it right, you got an opportunity. And, like, unlike sports, you don't have to retire. You can do this for <laughs> True. True that. Being real. Are you ready for some fun questions? Yeah. Uh, what are what's three jerseys that you don't have that you want? Like any jerseys? Ooh. Damn. <laughs> I, I can probably get it if I asked him. I don't got a Joe Montana jersey. I don't got a Mike Big jersey. Ooh. Mm, and the last one. <laughs> Uh, a Michael Jordan jersey. All right. Michael um, Jordan. And I left some people out, too. Nah, those are good ones, though. I left some people out. You, that's a hard question, but you can't make that a three. Piece. That's tough. So was your, was, your, uh, was your favorite quarterback growing up, Joe Montana? I got the back end of Joe, so it was more of a – he was like a god to me. Cause I just like I saw I saw him on his way out, and I just knew he was just Joe Cool, and I saw all the highlights and stuff. But it started off really the guy I got to study because I was able to see his growth with Steve Young. Yeah. And then when Steve, then when Steve Young got hurt, you know Jeff took over, and I ended up being teammates with Jeff, so that was cool. Yeah. But then like by after Jeff, it was Mike Vick, and it was just like damn. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, uh, I love all quarterbacks, bro. Like, I had a love-hate relationship for Brett Favre. The quarterback side of me loved him. The 49er fan in me hated him. Yeah. Like, you know, like, it's always been. Like, I just appreciate the guys that play the game the right way and just figure Like, so, like, I, 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 I don't – to say I have a favorite, I really don't. I just kind of like watching guys that really get out here and, and get, get in. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then, uh, obviously, I think a lot of people know you're Marshawn Lynch's cousin, uh, and you got to play with them in high school. And then I know you were briefly on the Raiders with them, but what was it like to just play with them in the pros, too? Um, it was It's just a blessing, man. Like, for me, it just felt like we was right back in high school. He's still, he's still my favorite player of all time. Like, I feel like he shortchanged us in his career because no, most people never seen the receiver side of him that I know he really was capable of doing. But um, at the end of the day, like, still the best football player I ever played with in all facets. Just the co- combination of size, strength, athletic ability, smarts, mentality. He's just a perfect football player. Like, you want that guy on your team if you had a chance to. So I was blessed to be able to play with him. And we were able to win our first and only championship at our high school. And he was a lot, a lot to do to that. And... When he did the Beast Quake run, that run was similar to what he did to win our high school championship. And it's still floating around the internet. Yeah. So, like, it's just a blessing whenever you can play with your family. But, like, to play with probably your favorite football player is similar. And now Marcus is like that. Marcus is probably my favorite defensive player because people don't give him enough credit. They don't. 
at all, at all. But they don't understand because they want them. To, they want him to play the game the way they want, that they think he should. Instead of understanding that he, his corner, his position is cornerback, but he's a football player. All right, <laughs> athlete. <laughs> no, he just plays the game from a football standpoint. He's gotcha. he's just playing the game to guard his guy. Yeah, I can run you off and take you out the game if if that's all you focused on. Yeah, but I gotcha. Mark understands everything that goes within the game. Even quarterbacks, Reese and Lingo, that's how you get so many interceptions. <laughs> For sure. But he gets knocked All right, I got to ask you, you could answer this or not answer this. Uh, what have Marshawn Lynch scored if they gave him the ball in the Super Bowl? Hell team? yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> oh. hell yeah. I got to ask uh, you just because it's been brought up a lot this week. I was at the game. When he came out of shotgun, I knew that was from the pass it. I was sitting in the stands. I knew what it was. Hell yeah, second down on the one yard line. Hell yeah, he would have scored. All right, last one. Besides like uh, video gaming and your charity work, what what else do you like to do in your free time? Um, really, man, just spend time with my kids, my family. Um, get out. Like I'm, I'm still like the active little kid. I like to ride bikes. <laughs> I like to go hoop at the park. Um, I'm starting. I. I I, I love traveling more now to places like that's unique. That's not like metropolitan areas to really get out and experience culture. Um, I'm, at, I'm at that point in my life where I'm really appreciating that. Uh, Mother Nature is starting to become more of a, a beautiful thing to me than it was when I was younger. So pretty much that, like I'm, I'll be chilling though, bro. I, I kind of found my lanes around things that I'm passionate about. So that takes up my time. And then with having three kids and a fiance, like that takes up the rest of my time with team football. Yeah. And then the else is just squeezed in. <laughs> I got you. Actually, I got one last question. If I, if I went to Oakland, what food spot do I got to check out? Rob Benz. What kind, what kind of spot is it? Soul Food. All right. R-O-B, then B-N-S. Rob yeah, that, that might have been the quickest response I ever got before. Yep. <laughs> Pull up to the bins, man. Go get you some of that. Get you got options. You got chicken. You got fish. You know, if you go with a whole family, you got to get the beast mode platter. And then <laughs> got to have, have a whack at it. Oh, man. Well, I appreciate this. Uh, and uh, could you let the listeners where they can follow you at on social media? Um, uh, You can follow me at Headache, H-E-A-D, the number 8-C-K-E on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, UGL World is on Instagram. UGL World, uh, Fam First Fam is on Instagram. Family First Milano, our clothing line, Family First US, all on IG. So you can check out everything I'm doing, but everything is centralized on my page, on my bio. You can really go just really see where I'm at. And obviously, you know, the 49ers is, is easy to find. So that's pretty much what my life consists of right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Wait, how did you... How did you get the name? What's the headache? Is there any story behind that? Uh, it's a story that I'm waiting to tell. Like I kind of gave a general, general synopsis, but it started with me having a big ass head when I was little. <laughs> <laughs> kind of always being like, first it went from headache to he head to head coach because I was a quarterback and always trying to organize some, and then the headache part came, and when I started really expressing my thoughts a lot more. Like I'm a, I've always been like an outlier thinker. So I'm, I challenge, I make people think 
All right, and, I like that. You know, and that's kind of like the Star Wars, Dragon Ball Z side of me, the gamer side, you know, the little nerdy side of me. So when you put them all together, it's kind of a, it's like a headache, but it's a good thing though. Yeah. But I'm going to tell the story when I'm done. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I appreciate this. This was, this was dope. All right, big dog.